ladies and gentlemen, man, normally this is where I would say welcome, welcome, welcome back, but I know a lot of you out there are probably thinking like, cuz, where the hell you been, man? It's been a couple months and I understand. The last time I think I left you guys, my son was just born. It's hard to believe he's over four months old now. Um, my last episode, I think, was episode 30. That makes this episode 31. It's hard to keep track, but episode 30 had my buddy Jeff on. Uh, great response to the podcast, and I knew at that point I wanted to take a little bit of time to kind of figure out what I wanted the podcast to be, figure out if I even wanted to continue to do the podcast. I really appreciate people reaching out to me, man. I had so many people reach out, um, you know, where's the podcast? I like listening to it while I'm working or working out or driving or whatever the case is, and, you know, I had a buddy of mine, shout out to Holly, he texted me, you know, a couple months after, and he was like, yo, you haven't put out a podcast in like two months, SMA. So uh, it, it was cool to see some people reaching out to me and thinking, you know, people actually like this podcast, so I appreciate it. But I really wasn't sure if I wanted to continue to do it or not. Um, but, you know, a lot's gone on. My son, like I said, he's four months old. I had some time to be, you know, daddy daycare and be a stay-at-home dad. And, man, that's a difficult job. Um, awesome to spend time. I'm so grateful for my uh, my company to let me have some time off. Uh, four months actually off, which is unheard of, to be honest, for a man. Um, but it's definitely necessary. I think it's awesome. It definitely uh, helped my family out, and I really got to spend some time with both my kids. So it was a great, great time for me. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, a, lot, a lot's gone on. And right now, I'm in the basement. I'm isolating. If you can tell a little bit about my voice, or from my voice, I should say. Um, I'm on the back end here. Uncle COVID got me. Uh, I'm on like day five or day six now with COVID. Uh, hasn't been too bad, but don't get don't be alarmed. You're not going to get COVID through the uh, through the microphone. So um, I'm in the basement right now. My wife's upstairs handling all the business with the family. God love her. Um, so I figure, you know what? What's better than I'm going to just jump on and start a podcast? There's a lot to talk about. I've missed basically the first half of the NHL season. Um, we're almost at the All Star break. The Olympics have been canceled. The NFL playoffs start today when this podcast drops. I uh, cannot wait for that. It's going to be awesome to watch. Um, but first, before I get into anything, really, I got to mention, there's a little bit of a controversy for the Rambling Brews podcast host, and that's me. I, you guys know, all this time, I've been nothing but a Coors Light guy, right? Nothing but a Coors Light guy. I still love Coors Light. But I don't know, man. Recently, and you know, I, I, I've drank this beer for a long time, and I've always liked it. It's always been second best, but it's... Could it possibly be eclipsing Coors Light for me? Michelob Ultra? I don't know, but that's what I'm drinking right now. Another day, another pod, another cold Mickey Ultra. It's good to be back. I wonder if Mickey Ultras are going to help the COVID go away faster. I've always been told that. You ever watch the show Moonshiners? That's one of my favorite shows. My wife and I watch it every week. We tape it. Uh, that's uh, I'm dating myself how old I am by saying tape it, but we record it, and um, they always say when you get sick, just drink some moonshine. So I've always kind of employed that philosophy. Um, you know, <laughs> just take a couple swigs of beer, and maybe it'll you'll feel better. But um, you know, let's get going here. And, and some people will probably be shocked by that, but Michelob Ultra, it's a damn good beer. Two point six carbs, ninety five calories, very light beer. Uh, really, the only kind of beer I like is light beers. You guys know, but. I'm slowly passing up Coors Light for Mickey Ultras. I don't know if it's just a phase I'm going through right now, but we'll see. Let me take another swig before we get started here. So like I mentioned uh, in the intro there, the NHL season is pretty much half over. Uh, we're at the All-Star break right now. 
almost. It's about a week or so away. Um, and there's been a lot of storylines. Unfortunately, a lot of them have been uh, surrounding COVID-19. It's unfortunate, but honestly, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of COVID-19 and what I think they should be doing and what the asymptomatic vaccinated players, whether they should be playing or not or whatever the case may be. I don't want to get into that. There's much uh, smarter people out there than me that can talk about all that stuff. I don't think anybody really wants to hear that stuff. I just think it's a little bit odd that the NHL treats certain teams different than other teams. So, like, for instance, the New York Islanders, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they had some bad COVID issues. And right now, even the Penguins, I don't know all the teams and their COVID protocol situations and everything, but I can speak to the Penguins. And again, excuse me if I clear my throat or cough a little bit. I am dealing with the the Uncle COVID himself, um, as I mentioned. But the Penguins and the Islanders have have been decimated uh, by COVID-19. I mean, the Penguins right now, they have Brian Rust. I think Brock McGinn just got out of COVID protocol. A bunch of other people that are in the COVID protocol in and out of the lineup. Guys from the minor leagues. They have they brought the taxi squads back that we talked about back when they had the NHL bubble a couple years ago um, up in Canada with Toronto and, and um, Edmonton to get the playoffs going. And it's just been crazy because some teams get their games postponed, and you see it a lot in Canada. And some of the teams don't. like So the New York Islanders fans really have a gripe. I mean, they started the season on a ridiculously long road trip. I can't remember the number of games. I want to say it was 13. I talked about it on one of my um, last episodes. I know it's been a couple months. but So they had that long road trip, and then they had a bunch of guys with COVID. I mean, they had like eight or nine regulars out of the lineup, and the NHL was like, yep, tough shit, play. You got to play. But the minute that a Canadian team gets it or Toronto gets it or Edmonton gets it or McDavid or somebody gets out, you know, oh, shit, we got to shut everything down. We got to close the border. We got to postpone these games. And that's just ridiculous to me. I think you got to do it, you know, just have the teams play. You know, a lot of the time it's out of their control. I mean, these guys are following the protocols that are put in place. But COVID, especially this Omicron or whatever the hell it's called, it spreads rapidly and people are getting it and they're mild symptoms, thankfully. But you know, if you have it and you're in COVID protocol, I mean, tough shit. These teams should have to play or you just make the rule that, you know, that you're going to postpone games. But you really can't do that because, like, what are you going to do? Postpone every game and then the season will never get over. So you just can't have it both ways. The Canadian teams can't get the breaks and then the American teams have to keep playing with half their lineup. I mean, come on now. It's ridiculous. But I do want to talk a little bit about some of the best and worst teams right now. I'm just going to take a look at the standings. We've done this before on the podcast, but I think it's pretty interesting to kind of just take a look at each division and give my thoughts on, you know, where it stands right now. Uh, It's January 14th, I believe, as I'm recording this. Let me check the date on that. Yeah, it's January 14th. So right now in the Atlantic Division in the Eastern Conference, no surprises here. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers up atop of the division. Florida two points behind Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay just got Nikita Kucherov back. Steven Stamkos has been healthy all year. Uh, Victor Hedman still unbelievable. I mean, the team's stacked. They're loaded from top to bottom. I know they lost a couple pieces after their Stanley Cup last year, but they've uh, you know they've retooled and they've got a lot, a lot of star power up top of their lineup. Uh, Toronto, they're right there, 49 points. Uh, They're four points back of Florida, six points back of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they're in that third spot right there. And then um, switching over to the Metropolitan, I'm just going to go through the top three and look at the playoff positioning right now. Uh, The New York Rangers are really, really surprising some people. And they're not surprising me at all. They've got a young team. They've got Artemi Panarin leading the way. Capo Caco is kind of coming out of his shell a little bit. Alexis Lafreniere, my God, he's he's a stud, but he's really struggling. 
Um, I saw some stat. I'm pretty sure it was like he's been on the power play, like 30 straight power plays with no points or something like that. It, I might be totally off on that, but it's something where he's really struggling and he's not kind of fulfilling his end of the bargain um, for you know being the number one overall pick for the Rangers. But they really don't need him to be that great because they're just loaded. They got Panarin, they got Zibanejad, they got Adam Fox on the blue line, Jakob Truba, Igor Shostakovich in the goal crease is unbelievable this year. Um, just one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, probably a Vezina Trophy finalist favorite right now at this point. So they're leading the Metropolitan Division. Carolina, definitely not a surprise. One of the best teams in the NHL. Um, you know, they're kind of flying under the radar. I think just because they're in Carolina. I want to say they were on ESPN last night, uh, late. And it might be the first time they've been on ESPN. I know the NHL wasn't on ESPN, but it's like the first time they've been on national TV in a very long time. <clears throat> Um, and then you got the Washington Capitals right there, and they are sitting at 49 points. So they're one point behind Carolina, who has 50, and the Rangers with 52 points leading the division. So pretty tight up top. The Pittsburgh Penguins are in the first wild card spot, two points behind the Washington Capitals for third in that division. The Penguins just ended up getting beat. They got dummied last night, 6-2 by the LA Kings. I want to get into that a little bit because there was a turning point and a bad call in that game that cost the Penguins, I thought. And uh, obviously they couldn't focus after that. Uh, poor call, but we'll talk about that here in a minute. I just want to look at the standings. Um, the Washington Capitals, I want to point out, they've been really riddled with COVID too and injuries. They've missed Backstrom for an extended period of time. They've missed TJ Oshie for an extended period of time. Ovechkin, Russian machine, don't break. Still drinking Dr. Pepper and Pepsi on the bench. Still buzzing. I think he's got 24 goals this year already off to the, one of the hottest starts of his NHL career. Um, so they're really surprising me because I thought they were going to start to fall off a little bit. And I know you could probably go back if you know me or you've been around me for the last 20 years or 15 years, I guess, since Ovechkin's been in the league 15 or so odd years. I've been saying this for a long time. He's going to, he's got to start to ta uh, taper off. He's got to start to taper off. He's got to start to taper off. Well, you know, he just shoves it right up my hoop every year because he's not tapering off at all. He's second in the NHL in scoring right now. The Capitals are buzzing. Um, the Penguins are two points behind them, as I mentioned, with one game to play or one game at hand, I should say. So they played one less game than Washington. Um, so they could jump into that third spot when they play San Jose on Saturday night when this podcast drops. <clears throat> um, and Boston, Boston's on a heater. I think they won four straight, struggled out the gate, had a lot of guys out. Bergeron out, Marshawn out, Pasternak out, a lot of guys out with COVID. Um, but they're three points behind the Penguins right now for that second wild card spot in the East. And honestly, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this is the the eight teams that make the playoffs for the uh, Eastern Conference. I mean, some of the teams that are on the outside looking in, Detroit, somehow Detroit is only seven points out of the playoff spot. I mean, they're one of the most jabroni teams. And honestly, it's not a, it's not a knock on them, but they have just were so good for so long that they're rebuilding right now. They're trying to get back to where they were. Um, they got a lot of prospects. They got a stud in Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Lucas Raymond, um, Cider on the back end. I mean, these guys are studs, and they're going to be really good. Um, in a couple of years, I think they're a little bit ahead of their time right now, and they'll start to taper off as the back half of the season gets here. Um, Alex Nadelkovich in the goal crease for them has been pretty solid. <clears throat> that was a good pickup. We talked about that whenever he got traded from Carolina. But Carolina, I knocked them, man. I knocked them for trading Nadelkovich after he was up for the Calder Trophy Rookie of the Year. And they got Frederick, Frederick Anderson from Toronto, and he settles in nicely down there. He's playing great in a market that he's not just totally getting crucified every time he lets in a goal like in Toronto. It's not a toxic environment. It's great to see. Um, so Carolina obviously buzzing, but the other teams on the outside looking in, you got to love it. The Philadelphia Flyers are absolute dog shit. They are absolute dog shit. Um, I'll get into them in a minute. 
And the New York Islanders, like I said, they really struggled because they had all those COVID uh, cases. They had all those guys out of the lineup. It's just been pretty pretty tough for them. And the Devils and Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, Columbus. I mean, just a pretty shitty conference this year. Uh, so I think those eight teams, honestly, that are in right now, that being the Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, Toronto Maple Leafs, New York Rangers, Carolina Hurricanes, Washington Capitals, Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Boston Bruins will be the eight teams that make the playoffs. Um, I'll have to go back and look and see if I made playoff predictions. I really don't remember. It's so long ago since I had the podcast. Um, but I'll have to go back and double check and see what that was like because, my God, um, you know who knows who knows what my predictions were. But I wouldn't be surprised if these are the eight teams going into the playoffs for the Eastern Conference. Let me take a swig of beer uh, before we jump into the West. But it's just the biggest of surprise, I think, as the East. The biggest surprise in all of the league right now on January 14th, 2022, the Nashville Predators are sitting atop the Western Conference with 50 points, 24 wins and 38 games, two overtime losses, having a hell of a run right now. Uh, St. Louis, Colorado on their heels. St. Louis one point back, Colorado two points, or I'm sorry, three points back. Then you go over to the Pacific Division, the Vegas Golden Knights sitting at 48 points. They're leading that division. They are... Uh, three points ahead of the Anaheim Ducks, who are one of the biggest surprises in the NHL. Trevor Zegras, I um, mean, just an unbelievable stud player. Troy Terry, I think he might have had like a 17 or 18 game point streak. Hell, it might still be going right now. But two American-born kids just absolutely lighting up the National League for Anaheim. And you got to be excited if you're a Ducks fan uh, for the future because, man... Those two kids are unbelievable. They've got some good players on the back end. They've still got Ryan Getzlaff. He's a little older, but he adds that veteran leadership. And then you've got uh, John Gibson, the pride of Whitehall, uh, Pennsylvania, Baldwin High School here. It's not Whitehall, Pennsylvania, I guess. That's a different town uh, somewhere in the eastern part of the state. But Whitehall Borough, I guess I should say here, in, uh, in Pittsburgh. He's leading the way there. And then the L.A. Kings, who just uh, trounced the Pittsburgh Penguins 6-2 last night. They are in third, two points behind the Ducks, five points behind the Golden Knights. And then you got the Minnesota Wild and the San Jose Sharks in the wild card spots. I mean, honestly, I cannot believe the San Jose Sharks, the L.A. Kings, the Anaheim Ducks are in a playoff spot right now. I know everybody says when you're in the playoffs at Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, you you have like an 80% chance of making the playoffs historically. It's hard for me to believe that all three of those teams will stay in and teams like the Edmonton Oilers and the Calgary Flames and even the Winnipeg Jets who had their coach step down, Paul Maurice, he just felt like he couldn't give it uh, what they needed anymore. He, they needed a different voice in the room and he just decided to step down in one of the most humble decisions in NHL history, uh, but pretty awesome to see. But it, I, I just can't I can't imagine that the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks, the three California teams, are going to make the playoffs, all three of them, and you're going to have Connor McDavid on the outside looking in. Um, but that's where we're sitting right now. That's where we're sitting right now. And some of the other teams in the Western Conference that are having decent years, um, you know, you look at the Dallas Stars. Um, they've got some young rookies. They're they're not getting much production from Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. Um, they've got like four goaltenders on the roster. Ben Bishop is retiring. I think he can't play anymore due to injury, which is um, sad and upsetting. He had a hell of a career. Uh, Jake Ottinger, I think he's going to be their starter going forward. Uh, I believe he's healthy now. He was banged up a little bit earlier in the season, but he kind of came onto the scene and, and took the reins there. And uh, they still have Brayden, uh, Brayden Holpe, the ex-Capitals goalie, uh, who really struggled whenever he went over to Vancouver in a free agent deal. He went to Dallas, and he's been all right. He's been serviceable, but uh, Jake Ottinger is really the future for the uh, Dallas Stars down there. 
Um, and some of the other teams, honestly, I mean, Seattle, I knew they were going to be shitty. Uh, Brandon Tanev, one of the, you know, the, the wrecking ball guy, everybody liked him for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everyone still loves him and wishes they had him. Probably the Penguins still had him probably, but, uh, he tore his ACL. I think he's out for the season. The Arizona Coyotes, the only thing they got going for him is the, the Kachina jerseys. Um, they went back to the old school Kachina jerseys and they're so sick. Uh, but on the other side of things, they failed to pay their taxes, uh, for their arena, so they got locked out of their arena. Um, they had a deadline to meet to pay the city of Glendale, Arizona, their taxes. So they finally paid it. They're allowed back in the arena. They're allowed to continue to play. Things are not going well, though, it seems, for the Arizona Coyotes in Arizona. They're definitely not going to get a new arena, and it won't surprise me at all if they are uh, playing out of Houston here in another year or so. And I think the NHL already kind of uh, sees that coming because they've moved and put the Arizona Coyotes in the Central Division, which would make more sense if they're Houston. I know a lot of people want them to go to Quebec City and become the Quebec Nordiques again and have a rivalry with the Montreal Canadiens and all that, but uh, the Canadian dollar is pretty weak, plus with Canada. I don't know if they want to add any more teams in Canada with all the COVID protocols and all that stuff, because COVID's not going away anytime soon, it doesn't look like, at least for the foreseeable future. And Canada is is pretty much just afraid of their own shadow at this point. They're a pain in the ass in every aspect of the NHL. So um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that. But those are the uh, conferences and the in the playoff standings right now as we stand on January 14th as I'm recording this. And you know, like I said, I think the Eastern Conference is set. Uh, those eight teams will make it, in my opinion. But I think a lot is left to be uh, answered here in the Western Conference because I I just can't see I can't see the Edmonton Oilers missing. I really can't. I mean. How could they miss? They got they started the season. I want to say it was like twelve and one or something like that. They they were on an absolute heater. Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle scoring every single night, putting up ridiculous numbers. Everybody thought they were going to be you know breaking records, hundred and sixty points, hundred and seventy points. I'm not sure exactly what their point total is right now. I know Drysaddle's leading the NHL in goals as I speak, but you know what their projection is and all that stuff. Um, it's just crazy to me. And and they they have big time goaltending problems in Edmonton. Big time goaltending problems. I mean, Miko Koskinen's their starting goalie. Uh, Mike Smith, who's their other goalie, he got hurt. He's been out for an extended period of time. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's he's older. Um, it's to be expected when you're a little bit older. But Miko Koskinen, I mean, this was translated, um, you know, from a foreign newspaper, you know, reporter. But basically, he said, you know, I, I quote, I have to be better. But at the same time, we've scored seven goals in the last six losses I've had. I can't score goals too. So you got problems in Edmonton. I mean, you got your goalie saying that now. Is he wrong? No. He's definitely not wrong. He can't score goals. They need to score more goals. And that's the biggest gripe I've had with Edmonton since they got McDavid. McDavid turned 25, I think, yesterday. Um, so the 13th, I think, is his birthday, 1997. And um, and that's the reason why he wears 97 and copycat of Crosby. Not a big deal, but um, <clears throat> it's just like, you know, they haven't had any secondary scoring. They went out and they added some defensive depth this year. They got Tyson Berry on the blue line, great player. Uh, they got Duncan Keith. They had some injuries. But if McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't scoring, then like, what are the, you know, what are you supposed to do? You need depth scoring. You need guys to score from the second, third, fourth line, chip in shorthanded goals. It can't just be McDavid and Dreisaitl getting four or five points a night. That's not realistic. As dominant as those guys are, and they can go out and get those points. They can get three four points a game, but they're inevitably going to run into stretches where they're not scoring. The puck's not going in. The puck doesn't have eyes. They're not getting any puck luck. That's the way it goes. 
That's the way NHL hockey goes. And sports in general, you're not always going to be at the top of your game. You're not always going to be dominant. Things aren't always going to go your way. You know, you need some help and some contributions from the lesser lights of the team. And that's no knock on those guys, but they really need to add some depth. And that's where Ken Holland is trying to... uh, and he's kind of stirring the pot a little bit. I know the media is pretty upset. I saw McDavid was, um, you know, bitching about the media and the fans the other day, but they're going to add Evander Kane. I don't know if it's been finalized by the time I'm recording this, but we've talked about Evander Kane on the podcast before in the past, and you know he's had his he's had his troubles. He's had his alleged. Um, you know, sexual assaults and all this stuff. And I don't want to get into all that. Um, he has an alleged uh, broken COVID protocol where he had COVID, I think, and he went uh, across the border into Canada and Vancouver, or whatever. So he's dealing with that, likely going to be suspended, but he's going to be signed by the Edmonton Oilers here as the San Jose Sharks have terminated his contract. Although I think the NHL Players Association is also right now trying to uh, file a grievance against the San Jose Sharks for doing that, uh, saying it's not just. Um, But more to come on that. But anyway, he's going to be signing with the uh, Edmonton Oilers. And honestly, like that's a good signing, in my opinion, from a hockey perspective. At the end of the day, I know people always say, well, you should, you know, he's not a great guy. He's a bad guy. He's blah, 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 whatever the case is in every sport. But at the end of the day, the coach, the general manager, these guys are playing or they're coaching and they're managing for their jobs, right? The object is to win the game. You play to win the game. You're supposed to win as many games as you can. you got to win a championship, right? And right now, Connor McDavid has one playoff series win in his career. He's in year seven. And people keep comparing him to Sidney Crosby. Individually, I'll give it to you. He's right there. He's a little bit ahead of him in points by the time he was 25. Crosby missed some significant time by that point, but he already had two Stanley Cup appearances and a Stanley Cup final uh, win. But I digress from that. But, they got to give him some help. And honestly, like I said, with Miko Koskinen, the goaltender, he's, he's, you know, to put it lightly, he's trash. He is trash. And the old general manager, Peter Shirelli, I think it was his name. I think it was Shirelli at the time. He's the one that gave him that big contract. He stinks. And now the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens are really struggling. So their, their stud goaltender, Carey Price, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL for the last, you know, 10, 12 years. He's rumored to be, you know, potentially a suitor uh, or, or to potentially join the Edmonton Oilers in a trade. I have no idea what kind of trade that would be. I have no idea how that would work because the Edmonton Oilers are up against the cap. They've got dry settle at eight and a half million, which is an absolute steal for what he brings. But they got Connor McDavid, who's the best player in the NHL right now, probably at twelve and a half million dollars. Now, I know people out there that are Penguin fans are sitting there listening and they're saying, whoa, holy shit, Tim said McDavid's the best player in the NHL? Yes, he is. He's the most productive player in the NHL. He's the fastest player, the most dominant player. He's also 10 years older than Sidney Crosby, or younger, I'm sorry, than Sidney Crosby. I would still take Sidney Crosby, no question. Right now, no question. I take the Penguins roster over the Oilers roster, no question about it. And that salary really hampers them. Unfortunately, that's the way the game works. It's not a knock on McDavid. He should get every dime he wants, every dime he deserves, and he de- deserves more than that probably than what he's getting in the $12.5 million. But at the end of the day, you look at it. They really can't fill out the roster. The depth is terrible. I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi, he's kind of a bust. Uh, I mean, Zach Cassian on the top line. I mean, this team's embarrassing in my opinion. And it, it's it's a... It's it's sad because Connor McDavid's career, his prime's getting wasted. I know he's only 25, but he hasn't even sniffed anything 
in terms of team success. Continue to rack up those points, continue to rack up those assists, those goals, those highlight reel moves, whatever the case is. Keep beating up on the Canadian division like you did in the bubble, all that stuff. But you got to win in the playoffs. I've been over this a hundred times. I don't need to keep harping on it. Um, I do want to switch a little bit and talk about the Penguins, like I mentioned with Crosby, but the Penguins are absolutely unbelievable right now. I know I mentioned they got beat 6-2 by the LA Kings last night as I'm recording this, um, but they have won 11 of their last 13 games. They've outscored their opponents 21-1 to in the first period during that span. They've been really getting on a... Um, you know, really out to, to good starts in the games. And that's always plagued the Penguins in the past. It's been a big problem for them over the last couple of years. They usually start slow. Uh, they can't get anything going. They, they battle back. They're one of the best second and third period teams in the National Hockey League over the last couple of years. But it's great to see the Penguins finally get going early in games. And uh, their MVP right now, if you ask me, is Jake Gensel. Um, this kid, he just continues to impress. Um, 18 goals, 17 assists. In 29 games, 35 points. Um, so he's he's on an absolute heater right now. Uh, he's on a I think he's on an 18 game point streak. Although the NHL for some reason it doesn't count because he missed time due to an injury. Uh, so since he didn't play consecutive games, they don't count it as a point streak. Even though he's scored in 18 consecutive games that he's played in, it's not really his fault. He went out with an injury, so I'm not sure why they don't count that as a point streak. But that's the way the NHL does business. Um, and somehow Jake Gensel's not an all-star. Let me give that to you one more time. Jake Gensel, 18 goals, 17 assists, 35 points, 29 games played, leading the team in just about every category. Seems like he scores every night, always finds a soft spot in the ice, always makes the right play, not an all-star. That's a big problem in the NHL because it's a participation game. They make every team have a representative, even though some of these teams are complete dog shit. I mean, Ottawa, they stink. There's no reason they should have an all-star. I don't know what they think this is. Is this Little League or whatever if they're trying to draw fans? I mean, Sidney Crosby didn't make the all-star team. Brad Marchand didn't make the all-star team. Who are they trying to market this game to? I know it's not like a legacy award, right? But who wants to go watch Chris Kreider play? Like, nobody. Nobody fucking cares about Chris Kreider and these other jabronis making the All-Star game because they have to get a guy from every team. Artemi Panarin didn't make it. Where are the stars? And honestly, I sound mad, but I'm actually not. Because Crosby wouldn't have gone anyways. Latang wouldn't have gone anyways. If Malkin were healthy all year, he wouldn't have gone anyways. Because, you know, what would be the point of going? You have to go play this stupid three-on-three tournament, you know, be away from... Uh, you know, potentially, I don't even know if they're allowed to go with COVID protocol and all that stuff, but usually every year the guys go on a trip for a few days. Um, you know, it's just stupid. It's stupid, the whole the whole situation. I don't even know why they have the All-Star game anymore. It's kind of lame in my opinion, but at any rate, Jake Gensel, he's the ma- most valuable player for me at this point in the season. I spoke of Sidney Crosby. He's got five goals, 19 assists, and 24 points in 23 games coming back from his wrist surgery and COVID he had early on in the season. Um, honestly, five goals is not enough for Crosby, but he just doesn't shoot the puck anymore, man. He's always trying to find the right play, and you know, 95% of the time he does, and it's on his teammates to make the play, and a lot of times they don't, but five goals, you like to see Crosby shoot the puck a little bit more, maybe with Malkin coming back on the power play. I'll talk about in a minute. Malkin made his return uh, the other night in Anaheim uh, with two goals and an assist in his season debut. You love to see that. 
Um, Evgeny Malkin back on the score sheet, back in the lineup. But maybe with Malkin coming back, Crosby can get going a little bit. Maybe he's not trying to facilitate as much. Um, but the biggest unsung hero for the Pittsburgh Penguins has to be Evan Rodriguez. It absolutely has to be Evan Rodriguez. Um, he's finally found a fit. I mean, he's got 15 goals, 15 assists, and 30, uh, 30 points in 35 games. You know, he he played at Boston University with Jack Eichel. Um, he had a hell of a year when Jack Eichel was there. I think he was the, there the year before that, too. He struggled a little bit. He ended up getting drafted by the Buffalo Sabres, and we've been over this. Buffalo is an absolute gong show, one of the worst franchises in all of sports, certainly in the National Hockey League. And, um, you know, they're an absolute dumpster fire. But it, it, it's nice to see Evan Rodriguez has found his game. He's become the trigger man on the power play. He needs to stay there. Even if Brian Russ comes back, I want Evan Rodriguez on the half wall on that right side. And I want um, him shooting the puck. He's playing with an unbelievable amount of confidence right now. Uh, with Brian Rust out of the lineup due to the COVID protocol, he is um, up on the top line with Gensel and Crosby. He'll slot down. I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he'll go. He might fall to the third line, which wouldn't be terrible in my opinion when Rust comes back because Rust and Gensel and Crosby have such chemistry. And then you got Kapanen, Malkin, and, and uh, Jeff Carter on the second line. And that could add some serious depth to that third line. But I don't want... Evan Rodriguez to kind of fall down in the lineup and, and lose minutes because he's been playing well and he's earned those minutes. And I'd get him in the lineup as much as I possibly can. Uh, but swig a beer for Evan Rodriguez. What an outstanding turnaround for his career. And you hope you can he can keep it going. And um, I, I want to say he's got to be in a contract year coming up. I think he's on a one-year deal. So the Penguins are getting a huge bargain for him. But man, he might, he might break the bank and be out of Pittsburgh here after this year. But again, swig a beer for him. And like I mentioned, uh, Gino Malkin, two goals and an assist in his first game back. You'd love to see that. I don't think he had any points the next game against L.A., but it'll take him some time. He's coming off a knee surgery seven months ago. Um, hasn't played. You know, he he uh, played, I think, three or four of the uh, playoff games in the six-game series loss last year to the New York Islanders. So it's been a while since he played. you got to give him some time, but it's great to see Malkin back in the lineup. He's playing also in a contract year, him and Chris Letang. Um also, uh, mentioned in Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin, this has been, and, and Crosby, this has been 16 seasons, an NHL record, 16 seasons this trio has played together. It's the longest any trio has played together in the NHL in terms of like the superstar guys. I don't know how they determined it. I'm sure there was like three jabronis that played on the same team for 16 years or whatever the case is. But um, the star players, like the core of the team, this is the 16th season that these three, Letang, Crosby, and Malkin have played together. And I'm so grateful to have witnessed it all. Uh, I'm so grateful for all the Stanley Cup wins, all the playoff wins, the playoff series wins, the regular season success. Everything like that has been unbelievable. Uh, as a fan, you just gotta you gotta marvel at it. You just gotta be so happy. And um, I did want to mention I, I talked about it earlier. I mentioned it earlier, but last night uh, against the LA Kings. So last night when I'm recording this, so they played the Kings um, on the road at the uh, what is it the crypto.com arena now it replaced the staples center which is pretty wild and crazy but they played the kings kings have a good young team and i just wanted to talk about one call which i thought was ridiculous so the penguins had just tied the game redeemed sahorna with a nice shot off a feed from teddy bluger a great um you know no look pass right in the slot there beats jonathan quick ties the game 2-2 so i think it was the third period at this point so basically what happens shortly after that the la kings 
shoot the puck from behind their own red line. So that's icing, right? It goes all the way into the behind the Penguins' goal. It bounces off the backboards. The referees don't blow the whistle, even though the Penguins have gotten to the dot. They've raced to the dot, and they've won the icing call, right? The peng- or the referees do not blow the whistle, so the puck bounces out in front of the net. Well, Tristan Jari, the goaltender, who's an all-star this year, as I mentioned he would be, um, a lot of people out there laughed at me when I said that, but right now, Tristan Jari is sitting at 18 wins, 7 losses, and 4 overtime losses, a 1.91 goals against, and a .932 save percentage. So those are a hell of a numbers right now. Uh, just an unbelievable start to the season for him. And uh, he, he the puck bounces out in front of the net, right? So he has to freeze it. So because obviously like if they didn't blow the whistle, he's not going to just let the puck bounce out in front, and then maybe the Kings come in and pound one in the goal, and it's 3-2, right? So he freezes the puck. Well, it should have been icing because, like I said, they shot it from behind the blue or the red line. No one touched it, and the referees don't call icing. So, next thing they say, I guess they told Mike Sullivan that the puck hit a penguin skate, which, if you watch the replay, it certainly did not hit a penguin skate. Then they said, since it did that, it was a shot on goal. What? The puck bounced off the backboards. It bounced out in front of the net. Nobody around. The guy shot it from the other end of the ice. It didn't even hit the goal. It bounced off the boards and came in front. Jari froze it. They call it a shot on goal. So at that point, the new rule this year in the NHL, the offensive team, whenever the goalie freezes it, I believe they're allowed to uh, pick which circle they want to face off. Like in the past, it used to be like, oh, if you shot it from the right side of the ice, the, the face off was in the right circle and, and vice versa with the left. But now they can choose because a lot of guys like, in this case, Anze Kopitar, the stud centerman for the LA Kings, He's more, uh, he's more of like a stronger face-off man in the left circle. So he decides to choose the left circle, right? So ridiculous because it should have been icing number one. Number two, it shouldn't have been you get to choose your circle. It would have been the other circle, and they probably would have had somebody else take the draw or Kopitar potentially loses it. But no, so they drop it in the left circle. Kopitar snaps it back, bing, bang, boom, in the net, 3-2, and Mike Sullivan's losing his mind. And I was losing my mind too in the basement. Mind you, it was like one in the morning and I'm sitting here on COVID and I'm just, you know, watching the game. Me and my two dogs isolated away from the family. But it was like, what the fuck is that? How do you, how can you possibly miss that? And Mike Sullivan was absolutely furious and he was infuriated after the game still. Couldn't understand the call. And really after that, the Penguins just totally unwound. They just totally lost focus, gave up another goal 10 seconds later, ended up getting dummied 6-2 as I mentioned. I wanted to point that out. Honestly, I think the NHL officials and officials in general, I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I've heard other people say it. They should certainly have to answer questions after the game like the coaches and the players do to the media because how do you blow that? With all the technology you have, you can't just go over and review it. It didn't hit a skate. It wasn't a shot. What kind of idiot would think it was a shot on goal if they shot it from the other end of the ice? It bounced off the boards behind the net, rolled in front of the goal, and Jari just grabbed it so it didn't you know, squeak out in the slot and get put in his, in his net by a Kings player. Just an absolute gong show by the NHL in terms of officiating, and that's been going on for years and years. But I wanted to point that out because you don't see that very often. You don't see blown icing calls, but you certainly don't see them say it's a shot on goal and blow two calls in a matter of two seconds. And then it had that much of an impact on the game. And there might be people out there that aren't, you know, totally, um, you know, in tune with the game of hockey, but you just think, oh, icing, whatever, icing, 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 and, you know, whistle, blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't make a line change, number one. And so that's a big part of it. But the puck would have been, the, the faceoff would have been at the other end of the ice. There's no way they could have scored off the draw because the puck 
would have been in the other team's zone. The Penguins would have been in the offensive zone looking at an offensive zone draw. They could have got their uh, top line with Crosby, Gensel, and Rodriguez last night out there. And potentially, you never know, they could have scored. So it was a big turn of events. Um, you know, obviously the Penguins need to be better. They need to refocus after giving up a goal and not give one up 10 seconds later. I'm not sure what Brian Dumoulin was doing. He was snoozing big time. Uh, he was all the way up at the blue, the, the opposing blue line, the offensive zone blue line. When the Kings had the puck, they s- snapped a stretch pass off the boards. It got beat Latang, and then they got a two on zero, and they score. It's like, what are you doing, Dumoulin? And Latang too. I can't let him off the hook. He's having a hell of a year, but you can't let two Kings players get behind you on defense when they had the puck in their own zone and they snapped up a, a, a stretch pass and they get a two on zero. How does that happen? But. More of the fault is on Brian Dumoulin, in my opinion. He was absolutely snoozing, uh, having a little bit of a down year, I would say. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. The team's playing pretty well um, all together, so I'm okay with that. Um, I know I mentioned the Philadelphia Flyers earlier when we were talking about the standings, but one of the best things ever happened uh, recently. I don't know if it was the Philadelphia police and like the Philadelphia firefighters or whatever, Um Shout out to the Philadelphia police. I, I have a cousin and in, uh, in some family members that are members of that police department or retired. Um, so shout out to them. Um, but they have like a hockey game every year where they, you know, you know, I think a lot of cities do that or they have football or whatever the case is. The firefighters fight, uh, play against the police officers or whatever. So it's kind of cool. It's kind of friendly, but still, still competitive. But uh, they had the police dogs out on the ice at the Wells Fargo Center. And this German shepherd, who's now my hero and should be everybody's hero you know, that has a brain in the world, in the United States, in Canada, anywhere in the world. He squats down and my God takes a shit right on the Philadelphia Flyers logo, <laughs> right at center ice. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Um, I'm sure everybody's seen it. I know it's it's been a couple weeks or months or whatever since this has happened, but I had to bring this up on the podcast because that made me so happy. You know, there's so many things that just have gone wrong for the Philadelphia Flyers that just make me a happier person. Their struggles make me happy. Their team stinks. Claude Giroux's on his way out. This is last year of his contract. Um, he's going to be traded. God knows who would want him. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's just so lovely to see the struggles. Carter Hart stinks. Their phenom goaltender they thought they had, they've ruined him. Bobby Clark, the biggest jabroni of all time. Um, he was a, he's a Philadelphia Flyers legend. I think he might, he's like the president or something over there. He's one of those guys that runs the show over there. Um, he was harping on Ron Hextall, who's now the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins about how bad of a job he did in Philadelphia, which is rich because Philly has been dog shit since 1975. So I don't know what he's talking about. It's not just Ron Hextall's fault, but he basically came out and said, you know what? Ron Hextall forced us to draft Nolan Patrick instead of Kale McCarr. All of our scouts wanted Kale McCarr, who, if you don't know who Kale McCarr is, you're really missing out. He's one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. He plays for Colorado. Just an absolute beast. Could get 40 goals as a defenseman, which is unheard of. Um, I know a lot of people are comparing him a little bit to Bobby Orr, which I think might be premature, but you never know. He's a he's a modern-day Bobby Orr, the way he plays, the way he skates, his, his poise. Um just an unbelievable player. But honestly, I think it's funny because Nolan Patrick's actually a pretty good player and they're knocking him because he got all these concussion issues and he couldn't play and he had a lot of confidence issues. He missed like a year and a half. He got traded. I'm not sure exactly where he is now. I want to say he's in Vegas. Um, but I mean, just what a dog shit move. Bobby Clark's such a piece of shit. I hate Bobby Clark. Um, but to come out and say that, what, what good does that do? 
what good does that do? That was how many years ago? Four, five years ago when those guys were drafted? And honestly, could you imagine if Kale McCarr was a Philadelphia Flyer? He would have been ruined too, just like all the other prospects they've ruined. I'm glad for the NHL's sake and my sake as a fan and everybody's sake out there that likes the game of hockey that he did not end up in that just god-awful Flyers jersey and that Flyers logo and that dog shit city. I'm sorry. So the swig of beer for Kel McCarr for dodging a bullet and going to a wagon like the Colorado Avalanche and getting to play with the likes of Nathan McKinnon and Gabriel Landeskog instead of having to play with Carter Hart and Claude Giroux for fuck's sake. The last thing I want to talk about uh, in terms of the NHL right now, I know we got a lot to cover uh, with the NFL playoffs coming up here. I want to dive into that. Also with the NFL just in general, a lot of gong show stories have gone on since the last time I've done a podcast. Um, but ESPN Plus and Hulu, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. Um, I've had a lot of people you know, on Twitter I've seen just talking shit on the NHL. Just People will comment on the Pittsburgh Penguins post saying, hey, tonight's game against the Capitals, or hey, tonight's game against the Philadelphia Flyers is only on ESPN Plus or only on Hulu. And people were just roasting the Penguins. Oh my God, what a disaster. I live in Pittsburgh and I can't even watch the game. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. My 89-year-old grandfather is upset about it. He wants to watch the games, but it just is what it is. What do you expect? ESPN got the rights to the games. They are going to want to put some of the uh, more high-profile games exclusively on the stream service to drive money. That's just a part of reality that we live in right now. They want to make revenue. But honestly, ESPN Plus, two things. It's like 10 bucks a month. And you get everything. It's not just hockey. You can watch all the college basketball. You can watch college baseball. My buddy Troy texts us and says, I guess, I'm so excited I can watch college baseball. God knows why you want to watch college baseball. But if you do, it's there. You can watch any sport on there. You can watch documentaries. They have that Man in the Arena documentary with Tom Brady. Um, you know, you, you get Hulu as well. Like, it's 10 bucks. And not only that, a lot of people out there probably either have Verizon Fios cable or they have unlimited data today with their uh, Verizon account, right? Unlimited phone data. If you have either one of those, ESPN Plus, Hulu, Disney Plus, all free. Free of charge. Zero dollars. So quit complaining and just get it. It's not that big of a deal. I understand if you're like the principal of it, if you're like, oh, no, I'm not getting the stream service or whatever the case is. But then that's fine. That's then that's your prerogative. But don't be complaining. I know, I know that's not everybody. There's some people that are like that, but I know that's not everybody. There's people on Twitter that are complaining and bitching at the Penguins or bitching at the NHL or whatever the case is. They got umpteen stream services. They got Apple TV. They got all this other stuff. I don't want to buy another one. It's free or it's 10 bucks. And if you, in the past, if you got NHL Game Center, which I did, it was like $150 for the year. Now it's $10 a month, which is cheaper than that, or it's free if you have Verizon Fios or you have Verizon Unlimited Data. So I'm tired of people bitching about it. Honestly, I know there's people out there that really just don't like the idea of going away from cable or being in their own town and not being able to watch it. But honestly, ESPN Plus is great. I think ESPN Plus is awesome. I've loved the coverage so far. I like to show the point. I know people hate John Tortorella, but John Butchagross is awesome. Um, you know, They're always showing pictures of chicken parm. He's big into chicken parm. He's a funny guy. And it's cool to see ESPN have some hockey coverage again. I know last night, um, you know, I'm re- as I'm recording this, the Bruins played, I think, the Flyers on ESPN, like regular ESPN. It was pretty cool to see that. So, like, you know, just just quit bitching about everything. 
get ESPN Plus. If you don't want to get it, then don't watch it. It's one game. It's one game. I know they picked the biggest rivalry games, and people say, wow, why, why couldn't they just have the Penguins when they play the Ottawa Senators? Why can't they be on ESPN Plus? Well, because the, you know, the regular people that aren't just like hockey fanatics like myself aren't going to watch that. That's just common sense. So honestly, you know, I really, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Just get it. It's free. It's free. If you have Verizon Unlimited Data, which I know you probably do. And if you don't, it's 10 bucks a month. All you got to do is just not go to Starbucks one day or not go to Chipotle one day. You know, it's that simple. But people just want to complain and complain and complain. I think the ESPN coverage has been good in the NHL. Um, I think TNT's coverage has been unbelievably good. Uh, Paul Bissonette has really, really uh, honestly, like just brought so much to the game of hockey with that broadcast and Rick Talkett. I mean, the other night they were out there because uh, Rick Bonus. The head coach of the <laughs> the Dallas Stars, he got ejected or whatever, and he was slamming a stick in the back, breaking a stick on the wall. So they were out there breaking sticks. It's funny. It's just a lot like the inside the NBA with Barkley and um, Kenny Smith and EJ and uh, you know Shaq. So it's pretty awesome to watch, and I would continue to watch it. I would continue to, to support it. It's definitely much better than NBC, both ESPN and TNT, but definitely TNT. They're far and away the best uh, coverage so far for the NHL. And I'm glad it's going to be like that for, for many years to come. But uh, I just wanted to get that out there because, you know, I, I think it's awesome. Honestly, I think it's awesome that you can watch it. Um, and it's, you can watch all the games and it's cheaper than NHL game center. And I, I, I think it's worth it. So swig a beer for ESPN plus and swig a beer for TNT for, uh, in my opinion, doing a good job with the NHL coverage this year. Switching gears a little bit, uh, I got to talk about this. Everybody's seen it from the National Football League. Antonio Brown, man, the saga that's going on with him again. Uh, between him and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, Bruce Arians being the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the ex-Steelers offensive coordinator, who at the time I thought was terrible um, and you know wanted him out of town. But it would be nice to have him back. Because God Almighty, I don't even want to get into Matt Canada, but he is garbage. Um, but we're not even going to talk about that today. This is a this is a positive episode. But uh, Antonio Brown, my God, he calls himself Himothy. Uh, the other day, uh, what two weeks ago? I guess he was upset. There's been a lot of rumors swirling about why he did this, but I guess the most logical one is he was upset. He wasn't. He didn't think he was going to get his um, incentives. Now he says he's injured. And we'll get to that in a minute. And he couldn't play, but he needed a couple more catches or whatever, a certain number of yards to get his incentives for the year. And he thought that the Buccaneers were trying their best to not give him his incentives, right? And which obviously wasn't the case because they've done the same thing last year. They gave they uh, they helped him get his incentive last year. Tom Brady did. Uh, you saw the NFL films mic'd up this year where. Uh, Bruce Arians called Tom Brady out of the game and said, "You're done," because they were blowing out whoever they were playing the last game. And he said, "No, I'm not." And he went back in, and Gronk went back in because Gronk needed one more catch for a million-dollar bonus. He got the $1 million bonus off that catch, and they came out of the lineup, and uh, the backups went in. So obviously you can see like the team, and even I think they even said like Bruce Arians and, and some of the offensive coordinators would talk to the guys and say, hey, how, what's your incentive? How many catches? How many yards? Whatever the case is, how many touchdowns? And they would try to work to get them that since they already had the playoffs locked up. So A.B., obviously, his entire life, but especially in this case, has been full of shit. And... 
He wouldn't even have been in that situation if he didn't have the fake vaccination card and got a three-game suspension. If he would have been able to play those three games, and he, I think he missed another three games with injury, but if he was able to play those three games, then he would have probably gotten those yards and had that incentive. He wanted the team to guarantee his incentives, even though he hadn't earned them. And then after the fact, so like they said no, and, and uh, Bruce Arians told him to go into the game, and he said no. And Bruce Arians told him to go into the game again. They called his package. They needed him in there. They were losing to the New York Jets for crying out loud at this point. They ended up coming back and winning the game uh, without A.B., which goes to show you how much they really need him, in my opinion. But uh, he wouldn't go into the game, and he got mad. So and, uh, Bruce Arians allegedly told him, that, well, then if you're not going to go in the game, then get the fuck out of here. So A.B. took that to heart, I guess, and he took his pads off. He took his gloves off. He took his shirt off. He threw them in the crowd. And he was so injured. Oh, my God. He did jumping jacks across the end zone. He ran up the tunnel. Um, just an absolute gong show. What an absolute ass this guy is. Um, you know, and then afterwards, he just tweeted. He's like, yeah, I'm a super gremlin. Like, the shit he says doesn't make sense. And I know people point to mental issues and he had some concussions and maybe that's the case. And if that's the case, I hope he gets help, but I don't want them to just like gloss over his stupid behavior. Like at some point it's just him. It's just the way he is. Like, it's just the way he is. I got to take a swig of beer. I got to crack another one here. Hold on. My throat's a little dry. God, this Mickey's taste good. But that's just the way he is. And then I see people online comparing him to Terrell Owens. T.O.? Name one thing to me. I would love somebody to point out one thing to me that Terrell Owens ever did that was anything close to what A.B. does. I mean, he had some issues, obviously, with his team. Like, he had issues with, in San Francisco, he had issues with the quarterback, Jeff Garcia. He wanted Tim Rattay to replace him. He had a, a public... Um, you know, basically a public display of like, hey, we want my backup quarterback instead of Jeff Garcia. Uh, he had issues with Donovan McNabb, blah, 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 blah. But honestly, he always delivered the goods. He's the second best wide receiver in NFL history, if you ask me, only behind Jerry Rice. You look at the numbers. Go look at him. Um, I think he's second in yards, third in NFL touchdowns. Um, so, like, I don't want to get into T.O. and his, his Hall of Fame, you know, career and all that stuff. But I'm saying, like, how can you compare the two? Antonio Brown's a clown. He was a guy that would have been potentially the best wide receiver of all time or right there in the top two, top three with a guy like T.O. or with Jerry Rice or with Randy Moss. But now he's just going to be remembered as the guy that took off his pads or the guy that uh, set out and threw a hissy fit because he had to change his helmet or the guy that got into a, uh, like, a, what are those machines called where you get, like, the – the treatment, it's like freezing cold on your body. He didn't wear sandals, so he had frostbite on his feet, so he couldn't practice. The guy that ran around his backyard screaming, I'm free, I'm free, after he got cut by the Raiders. The guy that lasted 15 minutes with the New York or the New England Patriots. Uh, the guy that Tom Brady gave a chance, went down there, won a Super Bowl with him. Uh, Tom Brady basically carried him to a Super Bowl, had him stay in his house, and after he pulls this stunt in the past couple weeks, he blames Tom Brady and says, if Tom Brady's my friend, well, then why the hell am I playing on a prove-it deal? Why do I have to have incentives? Why can't I have big money contract? Hey, dumb dumb, you're the one that walked away from $60 million from the, uh, I think it was $30 million guaranteed from the Raiders as well. All he had to do, I think he had to stay on the roster for three more days. Then he could have started all his crap and got cut, and he would have had a guaranteed money, but he couldn't even do that. He's an idiot. I don't feel bad for him at all. Now he's dropping music called uh, I'm from the pit, not the palace, 
and I'm not a guy that knocks people that do music. I did music back in the day. Um, you know, sometimes it's a little cringe thinking about it, but you know, I, I, and I'm doing podcasts now too and stuff. I understand people are trying to do different careers. People are trying to have fun, do whatever they like to do. That's fine. But I mean, I'm not doing podcasts walking away from a career where I'm making millions of dollars because I'm an idiot. Okay. That's what Antonio Brown's doing. And I don't feel bad for him anymore. At one point I felt bad for him. Now I don't. Um, so honestly, swig a beer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to be better off. And he's still Tom Brady. I mean, they're hurting a little bit because they're missing uh, Chris Godwin. I think he got hurt. And, um, you know, they've had some injuries and stuff like that. Leonard Fournette, I think, has been banged up. Um, but they're still going to be one of the, the toughest teams to get out in the uh, in the NFC. And I don't think they need Antonio Brown, to be honest with you. I think Bruce Arians will be happy without having the headache. He didn't want him in the first place, if you remember correctly. So swig a beer for Tom Brady and swig a beer for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A positive, a great moment that happened um, in the recent weeks, especially being a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, was Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field. Um, against the Cleveland Browns, who, God, they're a big disappointment, and I pray, I sit here and pray that they re-sign Baker Mayfield to a massive ticket because he is not worth it. Um, but Ben Roethlisberger, his last game, they played well. They got the win against uh, Cleveland. I didn't even really want to talk about the game itself. It was after the fact. It was pretty awesome. He did the lap around the stands. It was just cool because Ben Roethlisberger has been a polarizing guy his whole career. Obviously, you can look at his off-the-field incidents um, and allegations and um, you know people that don't like him, even people in Pittsburgh. A lot of people in Pittsburgh don't like him. They don't want him here. They've wanted him gone for a long time, and I always say be careful what you wish for. We're about to find out next year what the Pittsburgh Steelers have, and the future does not look bright. But I just wanted to point out uh, Ben Roethlisberger, 249 games played. 64,088 yards, which is fifth all-time in NFL history. 418 touchdowns, which is eighth all-time in NFL history. Two Super Bowl wins, one loss to the Green Bay Packers. He beat the uh, Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals in his two Super Bowl victories. In my opinion, obviously I think everybody's opinion, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And in my opinion, he's the second most important Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. And now I'm only 30 years old. I'll be 31 here in about two weeks. So I obviously wasn't alive when Joe Green was playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but from everything I've read, all the documentaries I've watched, everything I've soaked up as being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan for the last 30 years, I know Mean Joe Green's influence and Mean Joe Green's importance to the city of Pittsburgh and to the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. In terms of players, I think Ben Roethlisberger is second in terms of the most important. Um, I don't see how they would win anything in this era. As good as their defense was, if they didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, he's so underappreciated. Um, obviously, you look at him now. You look at him the last couple of years. He's really struggled. Father time hasn't been uh, good to him. He hasn't really kept up with his body. And I think people see like Tom Brady being like 44, 45 years old and slinging the rock like he is. He's leading the league in passing this year. I think he did lead the league in passing and had the most passing attempts in NFL history this year at his age which is unbelievable, but you can't really compare everybody to Tom Brady. They're, he's just a freak. He takes care of his body, and maybe Ben should have done that earlier in his career, but hey, it's a moot point at this point, and I just tip my cap and give a swig of beer to Ben Roethlisberger. I'm very thankful for everything he's done. We've been lucky to be Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Like I said, with the Penguins, lucky to have Crosby and Malkin and Latang and all those guys. We've been very lucky as Pittsburgh Steelers fans to have Ben Roethlisberger for such a long time. 
um, since 2004. Best quarterback of that draft class, I think, out of uh, Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers were the other two top guys taken. So by far, in my opinion, the best quarterback in that draft class. Um, so first ballot Hall of Famer, swig of beer for him. And I can't believe the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs. Um, that crazy, crazy game where the uh, Raiders ended up kicking a field goal late to avoid the tie, which the tie would have sent the Chargers and the Raiders to the playoffs. And before I give my swig of beer, people online and even some of my buddies were saying like, well, they sh- there's no reason to kick the field goal. They should just tie here. Why? Two reasons. Number one, you play to win the game. Shot to Herm Edwards. Number two, it's a division rival. If you're not aware, the Chargers and the Raiders are division rivals. They hate each other. They're in the AFC West. They can't stand each other. So, like, let me put it in perspective for some people that are listening here that maybe are Pittsburgh fans. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan or you're a Pittsburgh Steelers team, right, and you're playing the Browns the last game of the season or you're playing the Ravens the last game of the season or even the Bengals, probably the Ravens are the biggest rival, right? So I'll put it, in, I'll put it with that. If you're playing the Ravens, both teams, if you tie, both teams make the playoffs, but you have a chance to win the game. Why would you not try to put your rival out? You want to take it to your rival. You want to shove it up their ass and send them home packing. It's exactly what you want to do. You don't want them in the playoffs. Why would you want them in the playoffs? So I, I salute uh, Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders for saying, you know what, fuck it, we're going to get this win, and the Chargers can kick rocks. I'm glad they did, obviously, because the Steelers make the playoffs. They are 12.5-point underdogs, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, against the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're in the playoffs. They probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs, but they are. So shout out to the Las Vegas Raiders. Shout out to Ben Roethlisberger. Hell of a career and swig a beer. And with that, I think we should move over to the NFL playoffs. Um, the first matchup I'll talk about is the Raiders and the Bengals. They are playing in Cincinnati. It's going to be 32 degrees and snowing. And honestly, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win their first playoff game in like 30 years. They didn't have any playoff wins with Marvin Lewis. Had a couple division titles. Never won the playoff game. I think they'll win this weekend. Get their first playoff game. Get the monkey off their back. And who knows what could happen after that. I mean, they got Jamar Chase, an absolute stud. They've got Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, T. Higgins. Their defense is pretty solid. And Las Vegas, I mean, they've had a lot of... uh, obstacles to jump through this year I mean John Gruden getting fired they've had Henry Ruggs their star uh, young rookie wide receiver that was involved of an, in a drunk driving accident in Las Vegas that killed somebody rest in peace to that person and condolences out to their family what a scumbag Ruggs is um, but I think Cincinnati's going to take it to them I wouldn't be surprised if they win this game by double digits uh, so I think Cincinnati will move on there then we got the New England Patriots playing their division rival the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo uh, up in Orchard Park. And honestly, they split the series 1-1 this year. Uh, I think the Bills are going to win. Um, I think Mac Jones is a little bit you know, over his head a little bit. He struggled late in the season. Uh, he played pretty well early on in the season, but when the weather started to get cold a little bit, uh, I think he started to struggle, and I think it's going to be pretty cold up in Buffalo. I wouldn't be surprised if it's snowing up there as well. I haven't looked at the weather there. Um, but I have the uh, Buffalo Bills winning that game. I think they're going to win by probably three or so. I'm not sure what the spread is, but I have Buffalo beating New England, and that's going to set Buffalo fans. They're going to be fired up because it hasn't been it hasn't been much in the last 25 years that the uh, Buffalo Bills have done anything with success against the the uh, New England Patriots. Um, a lot of that had to do with Tom Brady. And speaking of Tom Brady, we're going to move on to the Buccaneers and the Eagles. 
Uh, that's going to be an in- interesting matchup. The Eagles travel to Tampa. Um, I think Tampa Bay will win. Like I mentioned earlier, they are missing Chris Godwin, no Antonio Brown. Uh, I think they got some other guys that are banged up. But Jalen Hurts, man, he's been improving for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's not a guy that you look at that you think you know he can definitely go out there and get you, you know, he can win you the game and all that stuff. But he's a hell of a he's a hell of a competitor, great athlete. Um, he's improving every week, very athletic. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this game's close late. But I think you gotta you gotta give your uh, you got to give your pick to Tom Brady. I think he'll get the job done as they look to move on uh, to, to repeat this year. Um, the most intriguing matchup, I think, of the weekend is the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys from Jerry World down there in Dallas. And I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. It's pretty crazy the stats they have. They're the number one offense uh, in terms of yards in the NFL, number one defense in ter- terms of yards uh, in the NFL. They lead the league in takeaways. Uh, they're playing at home. And honestly, like this is a big rivalry going way back. These two teams have played a lot of meaningful games over the years, dating back to the '90s and the two uh, the two dominant runs there uh, for each of those franchises. Uh, but I think Dak Prescott's going to surprise some people this weekend. And honestly, historically, I w- I would bet against the Dallas Cowboys because they always seem to come up small when it matters most. But they are loaded. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, Trevon Diggs. Uh, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is unbelievable. I can't believe he and maybe uh, people out there that are Penn State fans that have that listened to this podcast, maybe they can tell me if he was really that dominant in college. But he's unbelievable. What a player he is. Um, he's exciting to watch. I think he's going to have a big big week because he he's coming off the COVID protocol he missed last week, so he's going to be fired up. Uh, he's one of the fastest closing speed linebackers I've ever seen in my life. And if the Cowboys are smart, they don't put him in coverage a lot. They just let him rush the passer. They seem to put him in Dan Quinn, their de- defensive coordinator, and he, he hell of a job by him. And he might end up getting a head coaching job somewhere else after this season's over, because uh, he was in, in Atlanta, I think, before um, he ended up going to Dallas after he got canned. But um, uh, he might have been somewhere else before that. But anyway, he's he's in Dallas now. And um, Micah Parsons, a lot of times they put him in coverage, and he's a good cover uh, player, but he's a much better pass rusher. Just put him in the pass rush. So that's what I think they should do, and I think they're going to have a field day um, with the San Francisco 49ers and Debo Samuel and Jimmy Garoppolo, and we'll see if Trey Lance gets any snaps because Trey Lance is going to be the future of that team, but Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing pretty well the last couple weeks. So we'll see how that goes, but I got the Cowboys winning that game. Um, And then switching over to what I talked about before, the Steelers and the Chiefs. The Steelers are 12.5-point underdogs at this point, uh, the biggest underdogs in wildcard weekend history, which is pretty crazy to hear. Um, but the last time that they did play each other this year, the uh, the Chiefs won thirty six to ten. Not surprising the way the Steelers have been playing. Uh, the Steelers are one of the worst. Their Steelers offense, I should say, is one of the worst offenses in the NFL in the first three quarters of the game. But in the fourth quarter, they are unbelievable. Ben Roethlisberger seems to turn it on. I don't know if Matt Canada just like gets buzzed in from somebody that's actually capable of calling a decent play. Uh, but at that point in the game, but that seems to what be what happens. So honestly, I think this game is going to be closer than people think. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has come out the last couple weeks, or I mean, I'm sorry, the last week, and said, you know what, we don't have much of a chance. We know we don't have a chance. We probably don't deserve to be here. All this kind of stuff. That's a little bit of reverse psychology. Maybe the uh, the Chiefs are eating it up a little bit. They're feeding their ego a little bit, and I think they're going to play loose. They have nothing to lose. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers keep it close. Am I saying they're going to win? No. I do not think they're going to win. I think the firepower on the Kansas City Chiefs 
is just way too much. And honestly, I, I don't know if you guys watch Fox Sports at all, Fox Sports 1, but Nick Wright is an absolute idiot. But he was basically saying the Steelers think so bad that if he were the Chiefs, he would rest Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey for this game just because they're going to win anyways and they can prepare for the playoffs when they actually start next week. So that's what that's what the mindset is for a lot of these people. And that's what I'm saying. Don't count the Steelers out. Do they have the firepower to keep up with the Chiefs? No. Do they have the defense to stop the Chiefs? No. Do they have the offense to score with the Chiefs? Absolutely not. But that's why they play the game. So we'll see what happens. I got the Chiefs winning, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like a, I would say like a 28-20, 28-23 kind of game. And, you know, you guys can laugh at me. Next week we'll talk about it whenever I get on and it's, you know, they won 58-10 to 10 or something like that. We'll see. But I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, the game's closer, but I got the Chiefs winning this game. And the last game on the slate for this weekend uh, and wildcard weekend is the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams are absolutely loaded with talent. They've got Aaron Donald. They've got Odell Beckham Jr. they got Cooper Cup, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, maybe outside of Devontae Adams. Um, they've got Matt Stafford looking for his first playoff win of his career, I believe. Um, just a great, great, great team. Jalen Ramsey on the back end, Vaughn Miller. Um, just a great team, and I'm not sure they're going to win. Uh, Arizona, they started the season 7-0. and They had some injuries. They ended up losing to Green Bay in that eighth game to make them 7-1 and in Arizona when Aaron Rodgers was missing his uh, top two wide receivers and two offensive linemen, and I think like two star uh, defensive players, which I think won Aaron Rodgers the most valuable player of the NFL award this year. Um, but they started to get banged up. The Cardinals did. They started to struggle a little bit, kind of limped into the playoffs. But honestly, I think they'll find their game, and I think they're going to upset the Rams. They're playing in Los Angeles at SoFi, and I think they're going to end up um, winning that game. So that's my big upset for the week. I'm not sure what the points are. It couldn't, might not be an upset at all. I, I just think the Rams, the way they're loaded, the way they've been playing, the way the media talks about them, they've got to be the favorite, right? So... Uh, going back through my picks real quick, I've got the Bengals beating the Raiders, the Bills beating the Patriots, the Bucks beating the Eagles, the Cowboys beating the 49ers, the Chiefs beating the Steelers, and the Cardinals beating the Rams. Um, so, But I, I can't wait. I can't wait to just sit back. i got a couple ribeye steaks to make. Um, you know, going to cook those up. Uh, my good buddy Zach, what a boss, dropped off two cases of Michelob Ultra for me. What a guy. I'm in the COVID protocol here in my own house. You got to respect the hell out of that move. Um, so I can't wait to just sit back, relax, hopefully get out of isolation here and be able to hang out with the family, see my kids, and uh, watch some football and have a good time. So uh, swig of beer for the NFL playoffs coming on. It's a great, great, great time to be a sports fan right now. <sighs> The last note I had on the National Football League is I was watching, so obviously, like I said, I've been in COVID you know, protocol, if you want to call it that, and I've been in that in the last week or so, and I've been watching a lot of ESPN and, and just TV in general, right? Not much to do, and I saw Bart Scott, the ex-linebacker, um, I think he played for, I know he played for the Ravens, I wonder if he played for the Jets as well, I'm not sure if he played for anybody else, but... He's on ESPN's show Get Up Now, which is like their morning show, um, their morning talk show, you know, debate show, whatever you want to call it. And he had a very, very interesting uh, comment. He basically said that back in his day and maybe even today, whenever players play, he was talking about like the Patriots and Bills game when it's really cold. His advice to Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, was to take Viagra before the game. Okay, let me give that to you one more time. Take Viagra. 
you know, the drug that gives you a boner for like four hours. That's what he wanted him to take. Now, his philosophy was a lot of guys take that in the NFL because I guess it it, it started out, and I don't know if there's any like health uh, care professionals or anything out there that listen to this podcast, but maybe they can reach out to me or tell me, and I can, uh, you know, give it back to the, the listeners on the next episode. But apparently it started out as like a, a, a heart drug or something like that. It maybe opens up your blood vessels and gets the blood flowing to your extremities. Um, so that's kind of what they do. I just can't imagine, like, are you just playing in the playoffs with a massive boner the entire game? Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, is it worth it? Like, why don't you, you know, maybe just, so back in the day when I played high school lacrosse, granted it was high school, but we used to, like, we used to put the, you know, like, whenever you go to, uh, like, a doctor or dentist, they put the medical gloves on. You could get, like, the medical gloves and you put them under the dryer in the, like, the hand dryer in the bathroom, in the locker room, and then you put them on and then you tie them, like, or you tape them. So that traps that heat in. It doesn't work. It's not. It's not like the most. You know, it, it's not the best. Uh, you know, way to keep your hands warm, but it works for a little bit. I would certainly rather do that than take Viagra before an NFL playoff game. But I, I want. I want people's feedback. I, I want to hear people's thoughts on this. Like, reach out to me uh, at Rambling Brews Podcast on Instagram at Rambling Brews on Twitter. Reach out to me. I got to hear this. I got to hear what people's thoughts are with Bart Scott's philosophy. I mean, you got to watch this clip. I don't think I can tweet it because I'm not sure ESPN will let me, but you got to see it like on YouTube. Just just go to YouTube and search Bart Scott says, you know, they should take Viagra. And the, I mean, Damian Woody and all these guys are fucking pissing their pants because he's talking about it. He's like, I'm not joking. I'm not trying to be funny. And he's dead serious. And like, it's pretty hilarious. I, I, I wouldn't even have ever thought to do that. But hey, if Viagra works, maybe Big Ben Roethlisberger will take some Viagra and he'll be out there buzzing, just slinging the pills, slinging the pink skin all over the, uh, all over the field and they'll beat the Chiefs. Who knows what will happen? But uh, holy shit, swig a beer for that guy. My God, what a take that is. I appreciate the hell out of you guys um, listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast, um, telling other people to listen to it, You know, contacting me, reaching out to me about when the podcast is coming out, sending me different topics, things like that that you want me to discuss. Um, so, Hey, I appreciate the hell out of that. And a couple notes I have here that aren't sports related, but I think I mentioned this on an earlier episode, maybe one of the first episodes I had of this podcast, but the versus battles, which I think is like Swiss beats. And I want to say it's Timbaland or some other guys that are involved in the hip hop community where they have like two artists play their discography and go against each other to see who has the better, um, you know, records and all that stuff. I recently saw somebody ask Jay-Z Hova, the godfather of rap if he would do a versus and he said, there's nobody on this planet that can touch me in verses. And I start, I got to thinking and I'd love some of the people out there to reach out to me and see what their thoughts are. I know there's some people out there that are rap heads and really like it. Um, that know what they're talking about that listen to this podcast. And even the people that don't, I mean, I, I'll, I'll take your opinion. I had two people and some people might think it's blasphemous, but two people, I think that could hold their own with Jay-Z and probably beat him. Number one, Lil Wayne. Now, does Lil Wayne have classic albums like Jay-Z, like Reasonable Doubt or Blueprint or the Black Album? I don't know. Carter Three, I think, is a classic. Carter Two, maybe close to a classic. But the mixtape game, factor that in. The Drought One, the Drought Two, the Drought Three. Dedication One, Dedication Two, Dedication Three, Dedication Four, Dedication Five. No ceilings. No ceilings too. I mean, I could go on and on and on. 
And that doesn't even count like some of his younger stuff. So I think Lil Wayne could give give uh, Jay-Z a run for his money. I mean, obviously it's generational. I think the older people would like Jay-Z better, the older rap fans. And I love Jay-Z, don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorite rappers. I'm not sure he has the discography to keep up with Lil Wayne in terms of... And people say, well, quality over quantity, but Lil Wayne has quantity and most of it's quality, in my opinion. The other part of it is like... The other person I would say is is Drake. I think Drake is so underrated. I mean, he's the best rapper in the game right now, period. And I don't care what anybody says, what anybody thinks. Um, you know, you can say he doesn't have, he's not street enough or whatever, whatever you like. He's the most mainstream rapper. I think he's the best rapper, best lyricist in terms of just like, not just out there like hubba 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 You know what I mean? He's dope, period. And I think people are just going to start to realize like once he retires and that's going to be a long way away, obviously he's still pretty young. He's in his thirties, but like they're going to appreciate him when he's gone or like when he stops rapping, not when he's dead, but when he stops rapping of how good he was and how good he is and how we are lucky to have him, you know, kind of like as we were growing up. So that's my opinion. I would love to see people's thoughts uh, again at rambling Brews on Twitter um, at rambling Brews podcast on Instagram, Reach out to me. Let me know what your thoughts are. Text me. doesn't matter. Uh, I'd love to. I, I, I'll bring it up on the next podcast and see. I'd love to hear what people think about this because I think those two could definitely beat him, uh, beat Jay-Z. And there might be some others out there. And I'm talking like mainstream guys. I'm not talking about like, don't don't give me some bull jive fucking rapper from, you know, underground Detroit. I, I get it. There's rappers that are dope as hell that aren't known. I'm talking about like big wigs. You know what I'm saying? Like obviously Jay-Z's not going to do a versus against some jabroni from Detroit that has like nine followers on Instagram, but he's sick. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's just not what's going to happen, but reach out to me, man. I would appreciate the feedback. Um, so swig a beer for Lil Wayne, swig a beer for Drake and swig a beer for Jay-Z too. I am a big Jay-Z fan. <sighs> Feeling it is one of my favorite Jay-Z songs of all time. Um, last two things, last three things I should say on the podcast. I want to mention this week. Uh, America lost its its father and its grandmother recently. So I want to point out, rest in peace to Bob Saget. Uh, I know I talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, my wife and I recently saw him in uh, his stand-up concert. It was unbelievable. It was hilarious. Great guy. Just a tragedy. Um, not sure how he died, but condolences out to his family, his wife. It seemed like whenever we uh, saw him in concert, he really loved his wife, everything about it. He just wanted to be with her all the time, his kids and stuff like that. It was very nice to see. Um, you know, so feel terrible for his family and, and uh, rest in peace to him. And obviously Betty White, um, one of the best actresses of all time, you know, still pretty, like it's crazy how like good she looks for being 99. Um, uh, definitely sad to see her not make it to a hundred and obviously sad to see her pass away, but she lived a hell of a life. Um, you know, everybody from, it, it's crazy how she touched so many generations. Like my, my grandma, you know, rest in peace to my grandma. She loved her, loved Betty White. Um, my sisters loved her. My cousin loved her. Uh, and now like even young girls now, like my nieces, you know, 15, 16, 14 years old, like they loved her. It's, it's crazy how like she just had that, that staying power. Um, so rest in peace to Betty White and rest in peace to Bob Saget. Uh, swig a beer for those two.
And last thing I want to say this week, uh, Jim Ross, the the wrestling announcer. I got to get into more wrestling talk in the upcoming episodes. We got a lot to talk about. I have to have Ray back on. I might have my buddy Jeff Lewis on. He works for All Elite Wrestling. Um, so stay tuned for that. But Jim Ross was diagnosed with some sort of cancer. I'm not sure exactly what it was. I think it's skin cancer. I think he's gotten through all of his um, his treatments, all of his chemotherapy. So I want to give well wishes out to him. The pride of wrestling, the best wrestling announcer of all time, the voice of my childhood for WWF uh, back in the 90s in the Attitude Era. By God, by God. I say that all the time as I'm uh, hitting my daughter, who's two and a half now with the Stone Cold Stunner or the Olympic Slam or the World's Strongest Slam or whatever I'm doing uh, wrestling with her. So I just want to say uh, get well to uh, Jim Ross. I'm not sure if he'll ever hear this, but I just wanted to say it. So uh, get well, Jim Ross, and swig a beer for him. And with that being said, grab yourself a Michelob Ultra or grab yourself a Coors Light. I'm good with either one. I might switch back to Coors. I don't know yet. We'll see. But enjoy the NFL playoffs. Enjoy the NHL season as it rolls along. It's great to be back in the podcast game. I appreciate your patience and have a hell of a week. And remember, if I don't see you around here, I'll see you around. Here. Here.